Boys and girls, welcome to 2019. This is the first episode of the year, and we're going to start with a bang. But first, let's identify what's happening. And I think the property management industry change rate has finally accelerated to a point where we are at at the beginning of the hockey stick graph. So in other words, I think we're going up up and we're going up fast. A um, couple of the reasons, uh, I've been talking about this for years now. This show is over three years old and we, I've mentioned this multiple times, but now what I see is not only private equity um, backers going into the business, but also tier one. For the first time, tier one VCs, venture capitalists in Silicon Valley, are putting money into property management companies um, that is that has not happened before, and because when anytime tier one investors uh, make those kinds of moves, that that opens up the floodgate. So that's what we're looking forward to in 2019. It's going to be an amazing race. And if you, my dear listeners, own and operate a property management company, fear not, you're in the right spot at the right time. However, um. As more self-managers begin to realize the opportunity uh, for a better life by hiring professional property managers, the competition is also getting more fierce. Um, so investing and operationalizing your sales and marketing is no longer a privilege of the few. Okay, it, You have to do it to survive, grow, and thrive. My guest today is in charge of navigating this new and interesting world um, in charge of the largest single-family focused property management company in the U.S., and he has to sort of run it through all this, uh, all these opportunities. And uh, obviously, he's looking to win. And so, I welcome Kevin Ordner to the show. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Good to be back. Man, big shoes to fill. So, as a CEO of Renters Warehouse, you also authored a book of Rent Estate Revolution, and probably a lot of other things that you've accomplished in your life, but um, I mean, you're a young guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot on your shoulders, brother. So, you know, as a CEO of a company, you know, the larger the company gets, the more responsibility you carry to investors, to um, your family, to your clients. How do you deal with it? <laughs> well, thanks for the uh, thanks for the reassurance there. Jeez, uh, <laughs> you know, it's true. Things. And I think your intro was spot on, right? I mean, things are changing at such a massive, quick rate right now, and you got to stay on top of it. You need to start looking for the next opportunity. But I think one of the most important things uh, that any growing company can do as they're trying to grow and scale and, and take on this additional scale, right, is to really make sure you don't forget about the basic things. And it's about taking great care of your clients, taking great care of your employees, you know, that sounds cliche, as you always read about, you always hear about, but it, it really is so true. You know, we learned that as we continue to grow, that it, it can't just be about the next client, the next acquisition, the next deal. It's got to be about what we're doing to fundamentally shore up our foundation every day as well, right? And those are the two things we're really focusing on, is how to make sure that we're the best we can be for our clients, for our employees, for everybody. Um, you know, and that takes a lot of time and a lot of resources to do, especially as we're growing such a large business across the country. And we all know if you're, if you're watching this, uh, managing single family homes can be tough, uh, especially, uh, across multiple markets. Uh, but my biggest responsibility is ensuring we build a great team that we have a great, uh, team of leadership at the top of the business, um, executing on a great strategy and trying to stay in front and trying to make sure that we are, um, not only you know performing those basic basic things really really well, but also we have a great vision of where we're going to go and how we're going to stay in the lead. You know, you said we want to win, we want to be here uh, on top, and, um, and and that's what it's about. It's about looking a couple of years down the road, forming the right strategy, bringing the right pieces of the puzzle together, um, and, and then ultimately executing on it. And I think how I handle the ongoing added weight on my shoulders, so to speak, as you put it, is I love this business. I think this business is amazing. Uh, there's so much opportunity for myself and everybody who's in the business to really create something really special. And, um, and I think that's what keeps us going, right, is, is knowing that we are really changing an industry, making an industry more sophisticated, 
and ultimately hopefully delivering great value to our customers at the same time. So that's that's what keeps me going. That's what I'm excited about doing. And and uh, hopefully we can talk a bit about that today. So love the grind. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you kind of love the grind in this business. That's for sure. And back to the fundamentals. I think that's that, that's a that's that's a prudent advice. I think a lot of us get excited about all kinds of goings on we have in our businesses. You know, Femax this, uh, optimize that, new market. The fundamentals, man. That's where it's all at. That's what it's all about. That's why I like the EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. I don't know if you guys are structured that way. If you heard about it, but it really brought a lot of discipline into the fundamentals of yeah. my organization and many others I know. Yeah, you know, it had, we've been on the EOS system for probably eight or nine years, long time. We were one of the original kind of clients of EOS in the Midwest here years ago. Uh, so we knew it a long time. I'm a big believer in it. Uh, it's been fantastic. I think as we've gotten larger and bigger, uh, we've tweaked it a little bit and added some things or changed a few things, but we still practice L10 meetings every week. Uh, L10 meetings are throughout our organization every week. So we, I think that's so important in any business especially in property management, given all the little different things that are happening um, across the business and ensuring there's clear communication from the top down and the bottom up. Uh, it's big. So EOS has been a huge component of helping us grow our business, huge supporter of it. Wow. And I was just thinking about like, who am I going to have on my podcast to talk about EOS? Um, and, and I'm like, well, we got to pick a very successful property management company to sort of, because I know a lot of good ones. Mm -hmm. But I was just literally today, I was thinking about that. I didn't expect yeah. this answer from you at all. So, so <laughs> you might come back to EOS because I really want to poke at it a little bit because you sure. practiced this for so long. Yeah. But what sparked this interview, Kevin, is the latest sort of news article that I came across in Bloomberg News about renters warehouse acquisition of a company called Own America. This is very interesting to me. This is a shift in the industry. This is a, a vision move. Um, can you talk to us about where where that fits and how does that like how does that put all put together for you? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, for those who don't know, Own America uh, is and was the second leading single family rental marketplace in the country. So there's a couple of them out there. What the marketplace means is it allows owners of single family rental properties to be able to sell them with tenants in place. Uh, through an online marketplace to new investors, right? And for buyers, obviously, they can buy a home with the tenant already in place, cash flow day one, um, and it's a great thing. So it reduces the friction cost if you're a seller. You don't have to have your tenant move out, work with a traditional real estate agent that might not know investment properties. You know, if you called up a traditional local real estate agent uh, as a portfolio owner of, of single-family rental properties or just one or two and say, hey, I want to sell these properties to take advantage of the equity I've built, generally speaking, their first response is, okay, great. Let's have the tenants move out. Let's do a little bit of rehab and work to the home. Let's list it, you know, for an owner occupied to move in because that's what they do. That's their specialty. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that they're not focused on the investor. And uh, these marketplaces have really changed that a little bit. And Own America is one of the leading. So we, we recently just acquired them and rolled them into the Renters Warehouse family. So it's now the Renters Warehouse Investor Marketplace. And it allows our current clients or our prospective clients out there, single family rental investors to buy and sell single family homes online with tenants in place. It uh, reduces that friction cost for the seller. Like I mentioned, they don't have to have the tenant move out. They can keep the rent coming in until they sell the property. They don't have to do rehab costs. And oftentimes the commissions are a little bit less than what might be charged from a traditional broker. So they're saving tens of thousands of dollars on, a, on one home. If they have a portfolio home, they, a portfolio, they can sell, they can save much more than that. Uh, and then from a buyer's perspective, you can shop in markets that maybe you're not in. It, you know, we're based here in Minneapolis. We've got a lot of clients in Minneapolis. Yields, we've seen some compression in Minneapolis lately. So maybe it's not the best place or it's not where you want to spend your money to buy your next property. But you can hop on the marketplace and search properties in St. Louis or Kansas City or Alabama or Texas or any of these other markets where maybe there's a bigger yield. And know that uh, you can buy that. You can see the photos. You can see the tenant history. You can oftentimes see maintenance history on the home. Uh, Stock-like analytics on the property buy the property and then renters where else can continue to manage it um, in that market. So we think it's a really additive piece to what we're already doing. Uh, you mentioned it, we're the largest single family property manager in the space today. Being able to now facilitate these investor transactions through the online marketplace, we think really closes the loop on uh, being able to service these investors. Mm, so you snapped them up, man. And what, where is, so he, th this is very interesting. So Brad Larson, a couple thoughts here. Brad Larson is coming at the PM Growth Summit, which you're going to be speaking at as well yep, yep. Uh, in April. But he's going to come to talk about pocket listings, meaning yep. 
like his ba- his basic like his basic instinct um, is that why would you have a good tenant move out? Never ever evict a good tenant or have a good tenant move out. This is ridiculous. And so you know, it's basically going to teach a way to create the pocket listing so you get to sell the property but not have the tenant move out and get to manage the property. So you right. do the same thing, but on a much larger scale. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the that's the general principle philosophy is let's keep the tenants in place. There's no reason to disrupt a great family living at home just so you can sell the property. There's plenty of investors out there looking to buy homes in almost every market. So let's find a way to make those transactions happen. We're adding a technology later to it that Own America has built over the last three or four years that really adds a lot of institutional level data so people can really truly see how that asset's performing. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's really the principle is let's not have people moving out as a seller. That never works out great. You're going to lose money on the transaction as a buyer. It's always nice to buy a property that already has cash flow. And a really interesting statistic we came across as we were looking at doing this acquisition of own America is we've been working with Greg Rand over there and team. And he's the one who shared this with me and it comes from the national association of realtors. So pretty reliable source, right? There's over a million single family homes sold every year as investment properties, a million, it's like 1.2 million every year. So it's about 20% of all single family homes that are sold across the country every year are actually sold to investors for the purpose of being an investment property. What's happening today is the Remaxes and the Century 21s and, and all these folks are just stumbling out of these things. They're having the tenant move out and they may be selling it to another investor or an investor is picking up what used to be an owner occupied home and converting it to a rental. So why not have property managers in the industry, in the space, focus on helping facilitate these transactions. So I agree with Brad that there's there's a market for this. There's people out there who want to buy homes. Let's make it easier for them to do it. Let's not disturb good tenants in the process. And I think everyone wins. Hmm. So those of us of you who are listening, again, at the helm of your own property management ship, take the note. I think that's an interesting one. And I don't, you know, I think Kevin had to do something at this scale because you try to build it yourself. I, I bet you you went through the analysis. Hey, should we build it or buy it? Right? Yeah, of course. Building something, you have to have the technology. There, there's just a lot at scale. These, this is not as easy to execute as against a four or five hundred unit portfolio, which I think is a lot more approachable. I mean, what do you think about that, Kevin? What, what some of the, some of the things? Maybe give give the audience a little bit of a, of advice. What, what some of the things they need to have in line in order to successfully perform 10, 15 pocket listings per year. Yeah, look, I think at that scale, it's something that you don't need tons of tools and resources for. You just have to have a program in place, right? You need to understand how you're going to talk to your clients about it, where you're going to market those homes, kind of how you can connect the investors. And we, we've thought about doing this for a long time in the business when we were smaller and we had franchise offices and we had a little bit more flexibility to just kind of put some things together, right? As we grew to scale, to your point, we really need a little bit more of a robust system to be able to track these to attract the listings to come on. How do we market them out? What's the information we're giving out on them? So we went big. We acquired a company and technology platform to do it. But if you're a small per property management company, two, three, four, 500 doors, or maybe even a couple thousand doors, to me, it starts with, let's let our clients know we can help them, right? And whether that's you know pushing out some email marketing to them saying, hey, you're interested in maybe selling your investment property because uh, you want to take advantage of the market level today. Okay, before you do so, let's have a conversation. Let's, let's determine if your home, as is today, if we can sell it for what you want to sell it for, given what the rent's at, does it still make a good investment that's going to attract people to come and buy it? Oftentimes, the answer is yes, because as the home prices have appreciated, we've seen rent increase as well. So oftentimes, the yield numbers still work for some of the smaller investors out there. So start there. Have that conversation. Train a few people on your staff or yourself to really understand what that's going to be and how you do those calculations for yield and all those kind of things. Um, and then know where you're going to put them. And so the other piece of that is attracting buyers to come into your ecosystem. You know, I think at the same time, having pocket listings, it's one thing to have a pocket listing, but you almost need to have a pocket buyer on the other side, right? Um, not necessarily ready to snap it up day one, but you got to know where you're going to go with it. Have a mailing list, have a network of people who might want to look at those properties. And I think that's fairly easy to get to. There's a lot of people out there who are looking to add to their portfolio today. And I think the first place property managers should go is to their current clients. We did some internal surveys as we were going through this transaction with Own America, bringing in our marketplace and and just surveyed people. And and a lot of different questions were in that survey. But one of them was, you know, would you buy uh, another investment property? Do you want to grow your portfolio, especially if we could make it easier for you? 
And 35% of our current clients raised their hand and said, yeah, we'd love to grow our portfolio more and, and add to our portfolio. I think the stumbling block for people is they don't know where to go. Um, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of real estate agents out there raising their hand and saying, hey, I'm a, I specialize in this, I'm gonna help you do it. Uh, some do it on the side, some do it as a, as a primary piece of business, but they don't really market themselves to the masses in that way, right? And so going to your current client database and finding out who's interested in buying more homes, it makes it really easy because you can hit up those people and say, hey, we have a house that's been managed by our company for the last two, three, four, five, seven years. We know the tenant, we know the history, we know the maintenance, it's already with us. You want to buy it. And you're going to have a lot of people that say yes. So I think just letting your current clients know that you can help them facilitate a transaction and save them time and hassle without having the tenant move out and disturb the tenant. And then the other side of it, start to cultivate that buyer base and starting within easy steps you can do in 2019 to really add a whole new revenue stream to the business. Very well put. Um, I think, I think the first step for that to implement Kevin's advice would be to establish a communication cadence before you start asking people for their business, show them that you care a little bit, um, not a little bit, but show them that you care by just create a video, you know, message to your uh, to your owners on a, at least monthly basis, maybe even quarterly. I mean, to start with, but it's it, and it's such a good thing to do. They can put a face to the name. Um, very few companies do it. Um, they'll think of you um, a lot more often when real estate needs come up. If that if if you're able to do that, so establish that communication cadence, and from there build out a system. I mean, come to the PM Grow Summit, listen to Brad talk. He's done it himself. At what he's about a thousand units or so. So he's not rent this warehouse and he's, he's able to implement that and he's doing well with that strategy. So that's that's really good takeaway. I think that's a really good takeaway um, from this interview so far. Um, Kevin, I know you guys are going to get a lot of bread out of this acquisition. In other words, you'll get your management business will probably, I mean, I don't know what numbers you have on a forecast, but I would imagine you'll get at least 20% growth just organically from that acquisition for people who need managers. I mean, that to yeah, yeah, we think so. Right. I think for us, fundamentally, if you take it down to a fundamental level, this is increasing our lead funnel, right? It's making the top of the funnel bigger because we're able to work with not just those who own investment properties already, but there's a lot of people clamoring to get in. They just don't know how. So we want to provide them the education, the tools, the technology, the analytics to hop on and play around with it. And you can jump on the Renters Warehouse Marketplace today and, and look at a market and do some market research and understand population trends, job diversity, uh, housing price appreciation trends, just like you're analyzing a stock. And a lot of people like to do this stuff at home. It's our hobby. This is just one more way of us to get in front of them. And to your point earlier on, you know, that you just made on, on how do you get in front of your clients and let them know you can do pocket listings for them. You want to go out and lead with value, right? We want to provide value to people, provide them content, teach them something, let them learn about it a little bit. I think it's going to create a lot of interest, interested people who want to jump in. I have conversations on a weekly basis with people who aren't investing in this space yet who say, how the heck do I get started, right? We're trying to make that easier for them to get started. So that's part of increasing the lead funnel. The other part of it is there's a lot of people who are, um, you know, have small portfolios of homes, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 homes maybe that's been in the family for a couple of generations as they've grown it to the point where they say, hey, you know, we might want to monetize this thing, get out of it. And they don't know where to go because, again, oftentimes the, the traditional local real estate agent who's not doing property management doesn't really know how to handle those transactions. We can help them do that. We could take over the management, market it, bring in a new investor that wants third-party management, and, and we're growing there, right? The other piece of it, and we talked about this a bit, um, and this is the whole pocket listing theory, is we have lots of clients across the country who are saying, now is the time for me to exit this investment. We want to sell it. And historically, we haven't done a lot with that. We haven't been able to say, hey, let us help you with that. We've taken those deals and referred them out to our local real estate partners and, and had them sell them generally as, as traditional owner-occupied homes. We can now kind of step in the middle of that and say, this home still makes a great investment. We're going to put it on our marketplace, sell it to a new investor, and keep that homeowner management. And so as we talk about growth of the business, part of it is new business, right? New, new organic growth. But the other piece of it is maintaining the client base you have. And that's been more challenging, I think, for all property managers in the last couple of years as the real estate market's changed. And so this is one of the solutions for us to say, let's keep the homes we've worked hard to get on the platform already on our portfolio by just swapping owners, right? And, and so we think there's a lot of new opportunities for us, for new clients, 
to really reach a new audience as we're talking and trying to educate people and then keep the current properties that we've, we've already paid for to have in our portfolio to keep them on the portfolio. Mm. Very interesting, Kevin. So uh, I think it's kind of a lot of things come together in a very interesting and unique way because we've been thinking about theming the PM Growth Summit, the conference, the annual conference, um, as to what next. You know, the 2017, we've done sales and marketing. Okay, people learned that. Next, we've done profitability, unit economics, 2018. Okay, we've done that. What's next, right? Fee maxing, everybody's done that already. What's next is customer experience. Not everybody mm-hmm. loved the idea. Some people think it's a little fruity, a little California-esque, but <laughs> those people will 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 find out very quickly that there's a lot here. Um, and and one of the like if you think about this, renters warehouse is doubling down on that exact thing, right? Because at the end of the day, you are providing wider breadth of service to your customers in order to keep them and keep them buying more from you and keep, you know, keep, keep satisfied and happy. So always look around, see what top of the top of the chains are doing. And it's not the, you know, it's not the worst thing to copy uh, at least somewhat. And, and, and so stay with the trend and, you know, uh, I mean, Kevin's probably his leadership team is not, team is not a lot of thinking. So, you know, piggyback on that a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's how I see it. You know, don't invent anything new unless you really have some an amazing strategy in place. Go for it, right? Go go with the new. But uh, in the meantime, look what the big guys are doing, right? Yeah, look, and, yeah I think um, the customer experience piece is, is huge. I think it's going to be an awesome conference uh, with the customer experience. Because again, it goes back to some of our opening remarks. I think as business owners, as property managers, we look to grow the business. How do we make this easier? Because it's such a pain in the butt to own a property management company. There's a lot of work. How do we scale so we can step away a little bit? That's all the fun stuff. Uh, the daily minutia and the grind of making sure you keep that high level of service to your clients and what really got you where you are in the first place, that's hard. That's hard work. That's the grind. And, and oftentimes not the first thing people wake up to do every day, but it's so important. And there's been plenty of instances in the history of Runner's Warehouse growing where we've lost sight of that, where that wasn't our focus because it was grow, 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 get doors, um, come out with new revolutionary products and services and technology, all this kind of stuff. And it's been great, fantastic and fun. But along the way, we've had certain points in the business where maybe our customer experience suffered. And now it's such a laser focus of ours, ensuring that customer experience, both owner and tenant, is as high as it possibly can be through every piece of the business. And we're certainly not perfect yet. But having focus there, I think, is so important. And then on top of that, how do you add more value? How do you increase your value proposition? And for us, that's part of this this acquisition and adding this technology and and resources to our clients for free. Uh, They can jump on. We're uploading everyone's portfolio and property onto the site. And they're all of a sudden can analyze their single family home just like they would their stock that they own. Not a lot of people can do that. So for us, that's adding a lot of value to our clients. And it's going to make them more loyal in the end and uh, hopefully get them to want to buy more from us as well. So always analyzing how can we deliver more value? Ultimately, we can only raise our fees so much, right? We can fee max as as we've been talking about. You can do all these different things, but how do you increase your value proposition? And that's going to make your tenant or your client stay longer. You're going to have a longer lifetime value on them. It's going to make your marketing dollars go farther, all the above. And so I think what you guys have coming up for for the conference here in the spring and April I think it hits right on the head. I think it's going to be really exciting for people to see. Serendipity or not, we got we got the right theme. Um, and uh, I think, I think again, as this industry matures and we hit the hockey stick, um, the winners will be able to service their clients better, have more value at product, have other bolt-on business units that, that will extend the lifetime value of a client, as Kevin says, and that's where the win is. As a listener of this show, I already know you care about growing your business. You care about success. And what I'm going to tell you over the next two minutes may change and transform your property management business forever if you take action. I'm going to tell you a story of two customers who decided to upgrade their websites to a four and a half website. The first story is about Andy Moore. He is in charge of a company called Gulf Coast Property Management. Choosegulfcoast.com. He went with four and a half website we launched eight months ago. Over the last six months, two quarters, his owner leads went up by 189 percent, 
which results in over $270,000 additional lifetime revenue Andy will receive from the customers gained the new website that he wouldn't have with his old website. The second story is about Jock McNeil with Alliance Property Management, AlliancePM.com. Jock saw a 185% increase in his qualified owner leads over the last six months. In his case, it's over 300,000 in annual, in, excuse me, in a lifetime revenue ad as opposed to his old website. These are huge numbers. And if you want to play in the top echelon of the property management entrepreneurs today, you need a website and a partner that can get you there. To learn more about our property management websites, visit fourandhalf.com slash grow. While you're there, be sure to request your free website analysis. When you're ready to purchase, you will receive a special podcast discount of $400 off your website. Now back to the show. What do you think? So besides, I know you guys are focused on this. And you're going to get a, probably a lot of business. It's the top of the funnel as well as, as well as bottom of the funnel business from this acquisition and this yeah. new modeling. But what would you say in 2019, what would you say maybe the top two or three marketing channels for growing portfolio, uh, for growing property management portfolio? What, what, what do you see? Have we shifted from Google AdWords? Are we still there? Like, what do you, what, what do you, what do you look at? You know, um, you and I have talked about this in the past. We're obviously really heavy on traditional marketing. Uh, we do a lot of radio. We've done some television, things like that. That still works really well for us. We invest a lot of money into it. We're actually shifting some money out of that. Uh, we're still very heavy in it. But as you look at a percentage of our budget, we're, we're moving some more to the digital space. And I think it's not so much Google AdWords and that, although we'll be heavy in pay-per-click and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's so much you can do with social media and social content and delivering value and, and targeting people uh, through LinkedIn and Facebook and the likes. Um, we're gonna spend a lot of time there this year, really trying to figure it out. We haven't figured it out. I, I, won't be, I won't pretend to be the expert on it, but I think really learning that space, if you're growing your business, you wanna understand how to leverage your money, that social media marketing, uh, content development, uh, it's huge, right? And from a, a fundamental core belief of ours is we really do want to educate people in the space. We don't want them to be passive investors that come in and not understand it, not touch it. We have a different philosophy that says you really should understand what you're getting into. A lot of people enjoy it anyway. So let's teach them about it. And oftentimes that teaching brings our clients to us. And we want to leverage the different amounts of content and different things we do differently in social. We haven't spent a lot of money there before. I think this year we will. Um, and so we're excited to do that. I think social media marketing is where it's at as far as the best bang for the buck, if you can figure it out. There's a lot of resources to be able to learn how to do that. I'm sure you guys have talked about it before. But that's uh, that's interesting for me in 2019. It's something we're going to put a lot of effort into. Mm. Well, that's that's an interesting – I didn't expect you to say that. that a content development I get, but a lot of this, as you already called, let's just have a discussion on this because I'm going to question that strategy a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, from what we see from our end, I mean, we do a lot of content. It's a long-term strategy. So, you know – you do really, really focused, well put together uh, educational content for a year. Mm -hmm. Okay, you'll start seeing you'll start seeing some results, and your acquisition finally your customer acquisition cost will go significantly down year two, year three. But it's not it's not something that you can fill your your lead funnel within the first three four months, right? For sure, for sure, and I think maybe that's where we're we're looking for. Uh, from our business, our lead funnel is fairly full, right? We spend a lot of money in marketing. We've talked about that. Uh, with the radio, with the digital, we're maxing out keywords and pay-per-click and Google AdWords, and we're buying leads, and we're, we're doing a lot of the same stuff that all the property managers are doing, doing it at a high level. We add some radio and television to it. The next spot for us is to cultivate some of these long-tail programs, and we think there's just a lot of opportunity. You can do a lot for little in some of these social platforms, so that's going to be a big move for us, and it's different. We also have something really exciting to talk about right, coming into 2019 with how we're changing our business from being just a property manager to a full service real estate investment solution for people. Um, and so that gives us something unique to talk about. It makes us very unique. And we can target people who are looking for those types of services um, pretty, right, really real tight, right? And we can, we can make certain content for certain groups. So we think we can get a lot from it. Uh, but we're also a company who we have enough resources to keep the bucket full of other avenues and say, how can we look long-term and decrease the cost of client acquisition, create some new funnels for us that we haven't experimented with in the past. 
Um, and so I think that's why for us, that's something that's really exciting is, is we can invest in some of that long tail stuff. Well, in the immediate, um, continue to uh, do, what we, do what we've been doing. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, good, good clarification. So those of you listening, Thank you to drop all your marketing now. Go to social media. Oh. Yeah, don't do that. Don't <laughs> take do a that. pause. Yeah. Take yeah, a pause. Yeah. Take a deep breath, and just understand that content is producing content is not expensive. It just it's expensive in terms of time. But as a leader in organization, I think either you hire delegated somebody, but that's cost, or doing it yourself. You know, um, I wasn't born a podcaster, and I don't think anybody is. Just something you get to love to do over time. Um, podcasting is a great channel, but also there's a lot of other things. So like, there's an example, Kevin. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, he's a Netflix engineer for, I don't know, 14 years. I mean, okay. he's been there like forever. Um, and obviously, that company has grown so much that he's accumulated a lot of stock. And that's, that's sort of risky to keep it all in, in, in a single uh, ticker, right? So yeah. he started, and being an engineer, he started to research real estate. And naturally, I'm, I'm kind of in the space, right? So he's asking me a lot of questions. And the first thing he says, like we have a conversation after a couple of months of research, he says, all property management companies suck. <laughs> like that's what I hear in the forums, right? Right, and right. That's like the first thing. And then he finds this company called Memphis Invest. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if you're familiar with it. They, they do am, yeah. turnkey. Yeah. Um, for some reason, it didn't work out. Then he finds another turnkey company. The house does not appraise. A whole disaster thing. He's got to bring in 30K. Uh, the guys at the turnkey place, not meant, another turnkey place, say it's a good deal. Do it. He didn't do it. Now, like five years from there, we just had a conversation yesterday. He said, if I would have done it, what they told me to do, I would have made a killing. Like I should have done it. Like the yeah. house didn't appraise. It was a fluke. I should have done it. They knew it, but he didn't have the trust. They didn't have the trust. Yep. Right. For him to follow that advice, which is very right. interesting. But eventually, after a couple of years of this lurking, <laughs> it's just, just a floodgate, right? He found few trusted partners, and that's where that's where he buys stuff. Now, if I put him on, what is this own America thing? I think he'll freak out. Oh, it's so much data, man. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's quite amazing. Like, so that's the story. Um, that's a, that's the story. And there was not a single thought in his mind that he's going to self-manage. Right. He just needed to find the right property management company because according to his research years ago, was three, three four years ago, everybody, it was not to be trusted. Property right. managers not to be trusted. Right. That's the challenge. Well, that's, that's, the repu- that's the industry reputation that all of us, you know, everyone watching and me, and we, we've had to combat for a long time. Property managers, at like people's fundamental core, for some reason, are somewhere between, you know, attorneys and like used car salesmen, right? And apologize to any used car salesmen watching. I don't apologize to the attorneys. But like people just don't trust them, right? And they don't trust property managers because there's never been transparency historically, Um and, and there hasn't been good communication, and it's just it hasn't been a good experience for people. It hasn't been a real business, Kevin. It hasn't really. It, right. It's been it's been a side side project of some of the real estate shops. Right. It's been a side gig for so long that there was just nothing there, right? And that's where really the, it's been exciting over the last ten years to watch this become a professional space and a real space and a real business opportunity for people. And I think that's where the customer experience comes back in again, right? We're fighting every day. When we bring on a new client, the expectation is that we're going to screw them over in yep. some way because that's what they learned online. That's what they learned in the research. That's what their dad told them. That's what their neighbor told them. So we're constantly having to go against that every day. And so anything you can do to change that perception from people from day one, whether it's how, you're, how you deliver transparency, how you deliver reporting, how you involve them in decisions, how you communicate with them, or frankly, to, you know, how you market to them and how the, the education you can deliver to them so that you can become a trusted figure in their space is so big. So trust is huge. We have to find ways to continue to gain the trust of our current clients, prospective clients um, through our marketing efforts and just through how we do business as well. Yeah. So customer experience, boys and girls, it all comes down to this. Don't, <laughs> don't roll your eyes on me. <laughs> I, I can see you rolling your eyes. No, I can feel you rolling your eyes. Don't do it. It's real. And there's some, there's some structural things. There's some real things you can do, not just, um, you know, we talk about empathy and all that. Okay, I'm a big fan of empathy and empathetic listening and, and, and infusing that in the sales process. You don't, you don't have to get hung up on the empathy element. 
And again, look at it from, from that perspective. And then how do you quantify empathy? Well, very hard. But there are real things we can do. People like um, Joey Coleman coming to speak to us at the PM Growth Summit. I'm looking forward to him and his book, Never Lose a Customer Again. There's some practical things you can do. Pre and post sale, onboarding process. You said, Kevin, onboarding process. You're already fighting against the stigma. Right. How do you, you got to get them to smile and, and, and say, wow, and roll and, and, you know, roll their eyes in a good way. I mean, uh, eyebrow raise, I guess. Um, right. You know, but how do you do? Well, that's, that brings me to a question. Is there anything you can give away on the onboarding process that you found successful? Yeah, you know, and, and I'm going to be talking a bit about this in April as well. So we won't give it all away. We'll do a little, uh, we'll do a little tease here so people make sure they show up. But uh, onboarding process, I think, is fundamentally broken in this business. Uh, I don't know, tons of people do a great job on it. We've been trying to figure it out for a long time. And um, we've, we've now just moved to over communicate like crazy, right? And, and, and the way our business is set up, and, and I think maybe 50% of the other property management companies across the nation are set up this way, where we have a group of leasing agents out there that are helping be our sales arm, onboarding new homeowners, getting properties, leasing them. And once it's leased up, it moves to our property management staff, right? So we don't have portfolio managers that deal with everything. So we kind of create this challenge for ourselves and the fact that the client, the homeowner and the tenant um, really get to know their leasing agent, get to know the agent in the field. They've had a certain level of communication with them, probably met them personally, et cetera. And once they're done leasing the home, it moves into kind of our internal operations and our property management systems. And that gap between agent and now property managers is vast. The handoff, baby. The, the, the handoff. Yeah. And so we are working to bridge that. We're not perfect here, but we've moved to just over-communicate like crazy, right? And we have a lot of automation in place and a lot of technology around that. So in our lead systems, when it's when the agent selects that it's now rented, the tenants moved in, you know, emails and letters and videos and things go out to both tenant and owner saying, hey, great, thanks for being a client. This just happened. This was your former rep. Now here's what's going to happen. Here's the process. And just this year or late 2018, we rolled out, uh, videos that go along with our owner handbook. So we give them a handbook that says, here's how our process works. Here's what you can expect. Here's what you call if there's a problem. We know that 90% of the people probably don't read it because it's not fun to read a handbook. So we turned it into videos and short segments, right? And so they get emails, drip campaigns over the first couple of weeks they're with us that talks about their first month statement. What's that going to look like? Talks about the rent collection process. Talks about what to expect if there's a maintenance request. What we need from the owner if there's a maintenance request. And the tenant gets a similar thing. So we're trying to move to more appealing delivery sources for those things, audio and video, short little bursts over time, have a, a, a library where people can go and re-reference those references if they need to. But I think over communication is just the best way to go. I can't wait for the day that one of our clients calls and says, my God, will you guys stop communicating with us? Because it's too much, right? Hasn't happened yet. Um, and that would be a good problem to have if we did. So I think that's that's the beginning of that onboarding process is, is to one, have a, a set process. What do we want to teach our clients as they're coming on board about how we do business? Set the right expectations is huge. Because oftentimes what we found is people just don't have the right expectations when they're coming on, right? They think if you don't tell them, they think they're going to get their rent check on the first every every month because that's when it's due, right? Even if their tenant pays on the first, I don't know many property managers who turn that around and send it to the owner on the first, right? There's a couple day delay. So when should they expect rent? What's that window look like? When should they actually start worrying and when shouldn't they? So basic expectation setting is huge and over communicating those to people, I think is where we start. No, those are great tips. Great tips, over communicate, create a map and give them the map so they know where you taking them and what step they're in. Um, and I think that another thing, I'm always thinking marketing, right? For me, it's like always, always comes back to like, how could you, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you gonna get out of this? What are you gonna get out of this is you're gonna establish that initial communication cadence that you can continue propagating throughout their you know, uh, uh, career with you, so to speak, experience with you, where you can do your pocket listings. You can you know, ask them to, uh, if they wanna sell their property and all this other stuff, uh, maintenance, Whatever else you have, other business units you have, this is uh, you can bring them up. But uh, during those communication um, touch points, now, Kevin, one thing I want to talk to you. I, I I have like six pages of questions, right? When we you and I talk, like I get stuck on page one because there's all these interesting <laughs> tangents I got to go to. We're yeah. three minutes in. I want to ask you some questions for my own satisfaction as well as other entrepreneurs like if you're a business owner 
this might be interesting. The next part might be interesting to you sure. personally. Um, you're a busy man. I'm fairly busy. We have some folks that are listening that are pretty busy too. You read, I wrote an article, I read your article on, um, I don't know if you wrote it, a ghostwriter, what have you, but it's, it's an interesting one. It's in 2016. It's when someone asks to pick your brain. Do you remember mm. that one? I do. Yeah. And, uh, basically here's what kind of the, 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 the short of it is for many real estate advisors and, prof- and, and property professionals, the number of solicitations they receive may very well correlate with the amount of free online content that they produce. In other words, and this is the, I'm in that trap, man. I'm in that hole. You produce a lot of stuff and people think your time is free. Yeah. Because right? they yeah. got exposed to this podcast. They're like, oh, Kevin, uh, call him up. Uh, you know, pick his brain a little bit. How do you deal with that? I, I want to be nice to people. I love my audience. I love my fans. I want them to communicate with me. But sometimes that, 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 that is just too much, right? You can't, you are costing your company opportunity for taking your time to talk to people uh, that not kind of further your cause, you, you're right. helping them. And there's, there's right. a place for that. But so how do you deal with it? Yeah, you know, that's a big challenge because uh, I think I'm like you and I really want to help our community of business owners and entrepreneurs and I'm passionate about that. And if my experiences can help other people, that's great. But at some point, you can't help everybody. You can't give everyone five minutes because five generally turns into 15 um, and uh, we wouldn't get anything done. Right. And so what I found works best for me is you have to create a filtering system to really understand, you know, who maybe you want to be networking with or helping out or, or reaching out to and communicating with. And then maybe you do make some time for that. It's, it's a quick phone call. If that goes great, maybe you have the sit down that they requested to have in the first place. And everyone's criteria for that's going to be different depending on their business or what they're trying to do from a, for a personal way. But you have to have some sort of filter to put all of these requests through to understand, does it go this way? or that way, or what it might be. But what's been really helpful for me, we, I get a lot of requests on, you know, how do I get started in this business? How do I get started in real estate investing? Or how do I get started? I've created so much content. You and I have done a lot of content. Um, I just point them to where the content is and say, hey, you know what? I'd love to actually talk with you personally. I just don't have the time. But I've actually written about this. And you can go check it out here. Or here's the link. Or check out my LinkedIn articles or wherever it might be. And, and I think there's a way you can deliver someone value without having to to recreate the wheel and do it again and take that time. And, and that's been helpful for a lot of the, maybe the requests I just can't field, um, you know, one-on-one. So there's a strategic aspect to relationships that will be mutually beneficial. Potentially yep. you yep. will take the time for those, but there's also folks who are just, because honestly you're at the level where when, a, when even my buddy, if he had the privilege to speak with you five years ago where he just started, you probably wouldn't even understand what, what you're talking about. Like it just, because, you know, it's just, he doesn't have, he didn't have the foundation of knowledge required to take away what he needs to take away from your advice. Sure. sure. Right? Right. And I find, I find myself talking with people like a different, like they're on floor two and I'm on floor eight and, and we just don't connect. So right. that's, that's an interesting aspect. So those, those folks who you want to have strategic relationship with those reach out the rest, Point them to the content to get them up to um, give them some value. Um, but I don't know. How do you find this? So I've produced like so much content. I don't remember what I've done. Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you keep track of that? Do you have an assistant that does that for you? No, it, um, you know, I don't know. There's generally, you know, I'm sure you know, there's those, there's those key eight to 10 or 12 True. things you've produced that, answer 80% of the questions you get, right? And it's like, hey, this is a great place for you to start. People can get lost in your content after that. That's great. But I think what's important for me is to come across trying to deliver some sort of value to those that reach out. I think it's a responsibility of us to give back to those that we can help. We can do that where it doesn't take a lot of time. So maybe it's, you know, you've got 10 kind of key articles in your mind that you say, hey, this can answer a ton of the questions. Go here or at a minimum, check this one out, but really check out my website. I've I've written about this before, you know, search through my archives, that kind of stuff. I think is big and, and there's no perfect answer to being able to handle this, but I think everyone needs, you need to, if you're at that level where you're finding yourself bogged down with people reaching out constantly, and you don't want to be known as the person who just never responds and deletes the email or archives it. And, and now you look like an asshole. Um, you know, you can deliver some value fairly quickly by shooting them content. You've already made repurpose the stuff you put the time into in the first place, if it's good and um, you know, let them start there. 
Yeah, if it's not good, you wouldn't get the you wouldn't have this problem though. <laughs> yeah, right. I think a lot of people. Um, you, I'll find a lot of people reach back out. Not a lot. A select group of people end up reaching back out. Hey, I want to. I read that article. I want to follow up on that. Right, and you start getting those people that actually reach out a couple times. Like, okay, maybe this is. Maybe they're actually going to take my advice or my the the conversation we have and do something with it. Happy to develop some time for that. And you start hearing from people two or three times. Okay, yeah, I'll have a conversation with you, right? Because you're you're doing something with it. You're coming back rather than just. So many people, I think, their their biggest downfall of being successful is they they constantly want to have new advice come in. They want to get more information from people. They want to watch different podcasts, but then they never do anything with the with the facts, right? I love your podcast because you're always saying, hey write that down, do that. That's a great tip coming out of this podcast. And the successful ones are going to write it down and go do something with it. And there's, there's far too many that I think um, one of my mentors, Darren Hardy uh, calls him ask. Oh, I know Darren Hardy. Yeah. That's yeah, a really, yeah, so really interesting guy. He, uh, he calls these people assholes, right there. You don't want to be an asshole. You don't want to go ask for more advice when you haven't done anything with the advice you had in the, in the past. Right. I think it's so easy to say, great. I need more. I need to consume more advice. And, and what do I do next? when you haven't actually executed on the, the 20 things you've already learned, right? And um, and so that's kind of on a tangent, but I think that's where I, I found some people have come back and say, great, thank you for saying that to me. Can I get some more? Okay, great, I did this with that. Can I you know, do this? And okay, but now let's have a conversation, but you'll find so many, 99% of the people that reach out for information and advice, you can send them gold and there's really never a follow-up from it. And so it's probably a, a good use of your time to just send them to the resources rather than, dedicated phone call or an in-person meeting. Hmm. You brought up a very good point. Uh, I want to finish on this one, um, on, on this, on this discussion. Um, I find myself, I'm an avid consumer of podcasts. That's how I started podcasting because I loved it so much. But at some point I find myself specifically lately, last couple of years, what I find myself is in phases. I'm in a listening phase where I am just consuming. I'm consuming and and the, my phone turns off the downloads at times, right? It just says, oh, you're not listening to this podcast anymore. Right. And and that's how, like, and I'm getting back in it and I'm getting stuff I'm reading. Then I don't really do it for a month or two. Do you find, are you in those waves or you're constantly sort of self-educating? I'm just curious, how do you handle education? How do you sort of? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably a little bit like you where I'll, I'll read a lot or I'll pick up a couple of new books. I have to remind myself of, what I just said a lot too, which is maybe I don't need anything new and I always want to consume more. And I think that's great. And sometimes you're listening to podcasts or reading books and it might be business related, or entrepreneur related or property management related, but it's, you're doing it just to kind of constantly be consuming new information. And then there's the things where you really want to go deep on. And there is some great ideas or, or a great new tactic or a new strategy. And I have to be careful not to brush over those because you're not going to get anything out of the podcasts you're consuming and the books you're reading and the audios you're reading if you're just consuming it and not really executing it and have a plan to do it, right? So I'll usually read a few things or listen to some audios. And I always have an audio going in the car, but oftentimes I'm replaying things I've already heard. So I'll re-listen to a book to say, hey, did I actually do all of that that I wanted to do? Or what was that gem that I thought was in here that maybe I haven't done yet? So I'm trying to be a little more disciplined with that and go deeper. Um, on topics rather than great more 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 right it seems like I'll have meetings with my um, I'm in a group called uh, entrepreneur organization EO right where you meet with a forum of different business leaders and it seems like every month I'm in there I wrote down two or three books I gotta buy and I haven't even finished reading the two or three books that we got last time we were in there because someone recommended books so everyone's always recommending books right and um, I'm trying to be more disciplined and saying I don't need more books right now I've got plenty in the library some I haven't even read um, I got to dive in on these or, you know, right now we're starting a new year. We're reflecting on what we did in 2018 or what we maybe we didn't do in 2018. I'm looking back and saying, what were all those good ideas I had? But I said, God, I got to do that, but I haven't executed on it. And I'm pulling those books back out and diving through those and looking at that strategy. And I think far too many of us as we're running through the world, trying to grow our businesses are, are staying too far on the surface. And we got to take the time to slow ourselves down and go deeper into a topic and, you know, it's like drilling a well, right? It's like drilling an oil well, striking oil, and then moving to the next spot. Like, what's the point in that? Like, let's get all the oil out of this well before we move on to the next one. Uh, and so that's, it's hard because I always, I hear about a new book or a new strategy. I'm like, oh, I want to learn about that, right? I want, how can I implement that? But I might end up dropping the ball on something else that could have been really valuable too. So trying to discipline myself a little bit around really going deep, staying with a, a set amount of content and squeezing as much juice out of it as I can. 
Mm, sage advice. I think that's a really, really sage advice. I, I love it. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this podcast is bi-weekly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think weekly is just, weekly cadence is quite intense, um, both for the producer. You can't really think through uh, too much in a week um, unless, you, unless it's your main gig, and it's not for me. Um, right. And also processing and implementing and, and putting the information into your plan. Anyhow, I think bi-weekly works for me. Um, Kevin, I appreciate your time. Tell people how to find you um, if they want to talk to you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> connect with you. Who's, who's yeah. your strategic relationship? Who you want to hear from? Um, you know, uh, right now, big thing for us is we are, we're recruiting. We're growing our business. Uh, we're, we're hiring more agents, so I'm always interested in talking to people who want to join the team and run into our house as we continue to grow the business. So that's always great. Love talking to other property management company owners. Uh, always make time for them to have those conversations. Uh, and of course, real estate investors love connecting with them as well. So if people do want to find me, LinkedIn is, is really my jam on social media. I'm not a big Facebook, Twitter guy. So LinkedIn's the spot. Um, so connect with them there. Shoot me a message. Uh, shoot me an email. I think my email address or contact info may be on there. Uh, so do that LinkedIn is the big one. If you want to find more about the company myself, of course, RentersWarehouse.com. And um, if you want to learn my investment philosophy, of course, you can pick up the book on Amazon, uh, Rent to State Revolution. Rent to State Revolution. Read it. Pretty cool book. Um, really helps you sort of set, um, uh, have a basic understanding of investing, but also goes in some more of a, uh, advanced concepts. It gets you just interested enough in those things, but not to yeah. overwhelm your brain your young little uh, brain uh, that, you know, before you become an investor. In any event, Kevin also will be speaking to the PM Growth Summit, which is happening in April. I believe it's, it's 14th through the 17th through the 19th. It's my own conference. Uh, yeah, pmgrowthsummit.com. Don't listen to me. Go to pmgrowthsummit.com. Check it out. Uh, uh, book your uh, trip. Book your uh, conference ticket, and you won't regret it. Uh, Kevin, it's been a pleasure. Um, I really appreciate everything you do and the fact that you're willing to share it. Just, just amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I always love chatting with you. Thanks for having me back on. We'll see you in April. See you in April, buddy. All right. Bye-bye.